Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Smoked salmon. If you haven't tried this stuff, it is phenomenal. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us, one of our favorite contributors, both in fishing and hunting. And, you know, Nate Zielinski, how long have you been on this radio show? Yeah, it was actually somebody asking that there was a girl sitting on the boat. And uh, I'm not sure. Probably, what, six, eight years, ten years? Oh, yeah, it's got to be going on ten, doesn't it? Twelve years? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> well, it was, it was before we made the change and come back, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and so that's 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 seven years. So yeah, yeah so no, yeah, it's been a while. Eight ten. Yeah, we're both getting old, Terry. We're both getting old. Yeah, well, you know, he talks about us both getting old. Here's what he usually says: I grew up watching Terry on television when I was just a kid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before I know you want to talk hunting and scouting. It's so important this time of the year. And even if we have to stretch this segment a little bit, I'd like to get, uh, I, you know, you were uh, busy doing a great event for some kids last weekend, so Will came on, and, uh, and he's always great. But uh, I wanted to get your perspective on this year's ICAST. We both just got back from it. We won't take too long. We can catch up with it more because a lot of the stuff won't be in the stores yet. But did one or two things jump out at you a lot? You know, Terry, there, there's a lot of things that I think that are that are kind of jumping out. You know, like we talked about, improvement on everything I think is, is one of the biggest things. And then the other big thing I think that you're just seeing more and more, and it's not supposed to jump out now, but the fact that everything is catering to a technique. You know, even 10 years ago, if somebody were to say, hey, I need to buy a rod and reel, I just want one, you'd send them, hey, you need a 6-6 six, six medium action, you can do everything. And now it's almost hard to find that rod. Everything is so specific. Everything is a jigging rod, a crankbait rod, a jerkbait rod, and everything is catering to that. It started with rods. Now it went to reels and line. Um, so everything is getting very, very specialized. Um, and I think you keep seeing those traditions just keep taking off. You just keep seeing more of these manufacturers really catering to, to individual anglers and individual techniques to make them more successful. So that's probably one of the things, more of a trend, than an individual item that I saw really at ICAST. Um, you know, and as far as other things, I think that the technology is really hitting it. Um, you know, hanging out with some of these lure manufacturers, I mean, everything is is customizing to the, to the angler. I mean, the the concepts of mechanical baits as far as multiple joints and multiple moving parts, that has really taken off. Everything has gotten stronger. Um, so you're able to do smaller pieces of, of equipment to make baits move better and faster. Um, so that's probably a, another thing. It's more of a trend than anything that I really saw across the board. Every manufacturer is getting more customized. Um, and the last thing I'd say that I saw is, you know, what started off to be ice fishing baits, vertical presentation baits, the things like uh, we always say the jigging wrap because that was one of the first ones out there. There are so many manufacturers that are now making these style baits and hard baits, plastic baits, uh, combination hybrids of both, like the new Berkeley bait. Um, so you're really seeing those trends of, of the vertical presentations now being pitched in shallow water, more just that style of fishing taking off and everybody jumping on the bandwagon. 
Well, you're absolutely right. That was kind of a trend that the pros used for a long time and tried not to let out, but the secret's out and everybody's <laughs> making everybody's making those baits now. But let's talk some hunting. I know you want to talk because we talked about the leftover licenses early in the show that are going on sale shortly and uh, over-the-counter licenses. And, you know, if you already had a draw, you know where you're at. If you kind of look at that list, you think you know where you might want to go. Uh, the success of the hunt should already be in your preparation right now, right? Absolutely, Terry. I mean, I, I just got done scouting this morning. Uh, I've been out, you know, four days this week actually doing a lot of filming with Boltech. Uh, but yeah, it's there. I mean, our animals are in their summer pattern. So, you know, the, the antlers of, of most of these, uh, you know, the, the males out there in the field, they're starting to show some dominance. They're starting to kind of have a, a, a pecking order, if you will. The, the cows and the does are all gathered up. Uh, but everything is starting to show patterns. The summer heat, is really dictating where they're going to be, where they're going to stay. So where the animals are right now today, more than likely is going to be exactly where you're going to hunting them come this fall, uh, especially those early archery and muzzleloader seasons. So it's absolutely it's impeccable to be out there right now to learn the terrain, learn you know all the bedding grounds, the feeding grounds, learn their their daily habits, just because it's going to carry over. 100% to your hunting season. And I hate to say, you know, my my wife's been yelling at me, man, he's been upset because. I keep talking about fall, and she goes, it is summer. It is not fall. But as an outdoorsman, there's certain little things that I personally look for every year that dictate when the fall comes. I care less about what a date is. I don't care about temperature. I, I really just look for, for you know certain signs. And the second for me personally that I start to see pike attacking topwater baits, Usually it's going to be a slightly colder. We're going to lose two degrees of water temperature, uh, and a lot of times that two degrees is going to be in the middle of the water column. You lose those two degrees, it pushes the damsels a little higher in the water column. It then pushes those rainbows up to feed on those damsels, and it creates a topwater pike bite. The second that pike bite really takes off on topwater, which it did in the last three days, that is the first number one sign that I'm starting to see kind of fall in the air. And I look at it for fish, and it carries right over to the elk. About the same time that I see those pike hit the top water, I start to notice a lot of frost up in the high country. Now, you're going to start seeing this at, say, like 11,000 feet, 12,000 feet and higher. But we really start to see the frost starting to build up a little bit. Now, it's not a hard frost. I mean, it's just more of a, you know, a crispy dew. But we're definitely seeing that up in the, in the extreme high country. Most of us getting in, you know, that 12, 13,000 feet. But we are seeing those temperatures get fairly cold at night. Uh, up in those country. We also see kind of the last tall tale sign is the the big lake trout that we've been targeting at all these lakes, they're now dropping into that extreme deep water and they're starting to suspend. Uh, this is basically the very first super early stages of where they're going to start kind of getting in that spirit for the spawn this coming fall. So regardless, there's just a handful of things that I notice every year that to me kind of start kicking off the, the patterns of fall. And obviously it's not fall, but Again, it's the cycles of, hey, if I know that the pike are hitting topwater, I should be scouting elk. It all kind of just has its, uh, its rhythm and rhyme going forth into the, the later portion of the season. Uh, and that time is right now. So with that being said, it is time to get out there and make sure that you're building this education for your big game hunts, whether it's pronghorn, elk, deer, you know, moose, goat, sheep, whatever tag you have or you want to try to attempt to fill – now is the time to be building that education so you can make those good decisions this coming fall and be successful in this hunt. Well, you know, another thing that comes to mind right now, too, earlier in the year, we talked about getting into these areas and learning the terrain. You know, maybe you go fishing or camping with your family in these areas. When do you see, when do you feel that you have to start being with, approaching it with more stealth, that you have to be more careful? You don't want to, you know, 
influence the movement of those animals and you really have to start you know doing your scouting with glasses or binoculars is are you okay yet or should you be in that well, we're start, we usually say august 1st but these animals are, are a little bit more patterned this year we had obviously an early spring um and i'm seeing these animals in full-blown patterns so i you know i start watching animals in june and i kind of watch their daily habits you know and as they're changing things up they're really not in a cycle uh then you have to wait for all the the young to drop so once the fawns and the calves drop that starts kind of change about a month-long pattern when the calves are done and they're you know, kind of more i don't want to say adulthood but they're they're starting to do things by themselves they're not as dependent on mother um and that's right now and that's what we really start with these patterns so i would say from this day forward we're starting to have a little ease uh for example this morning i had about 15 bulls on four or five ridges and i really wanted to get closer to see these animals and I got hung up in a massive herd of cows, uh, I mean, stretched out across an entire valley, uh, you know, 100-something animals in this group of cows, calves, and a, and a handful of young bulls. Uh, and I got to the point where two weeks ago, I would have went around these animals and not worried if I pushed them. Uh, but now, in this situation where we're at right now, it's something where I just kind of watched everything from afar and backed out of there because the patterns that hold today We'll hold the hunting season. All I, I, the last thing I want to do is take all the education and knowledge that I've learned and start to affect those daily patterns. I'd rather just keep them as they are, let them do their daily routine, let them just get more comfortable, uh, and just learn more from them while I can before I start boogering them up. Hey, Nate, I got a quick question for you. I know you've become the face of some archery equipment. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. You know, we're doing a lot. We're doing a lot of the media content for uh, Bowtech Archery and Diamond Archery. So uh, the big thing that we're doing is we're doing this live feed. So Monday evenings are at 7 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. for everybody listening here in the Rockies. Uh, it's basically a live feed. So you can go on Facebook or Instagram to Diamond Archery. You can go on to the Diamond or the Bowtech Facebook page. Um, you can go on to Tightline Outdoors or Nate Zelinski. And you can watch this. And the cool thing about it is you can interact. So you can post your questions. Just comment what you want to hear. We see it live. We answer your questions. And we're really walking you through the entire scouting process. It's not about really the hunt right now. It's all about scouting and building the information of the resource and the animals where you're successful this fall. And, you know, it's great to kind of work with both those lineups. So, like, my wife Mandy right now, she's shooting a, a diamond edge. Um, it's a bow that literally anybody can shoot. You can adjust from 15 to 55 pounds, of, you know, draw a length of thir- 15 to 30 inches. So, really... A situation where, uh, you know, a young child, 8, 10, 12 years old, can shoot this bow. I can pick it up with a, a quick Allen wrench in 10 minutes. I can be shooting that bow at 70 pounds or 55 pounds. So they have a, a lineup in the diamond side that's just absolutely flawless for especially beginners, new anglers, and family members that might want to purchase one bow and have multiple people shooting. Then you have the Bowtech line that's literally the, the most tunable bows and the smartest bows uh, on the market right now to where you can literally shoot the best groups, the furthest distance, the most power uh, of anybody out there. So really excited to be partnered up with them. And they're doing a, a great job of all the live feeds and the social media, you know, basically content to make sure that everybody has live interaction. Like this morning, we went live from the field. So on top of a mountain, we went live showing live animals, scouting, uh, really just to, to bring it home to where if you're new to the sport, Hopefully you can join on, to especially the, the Diamond and the Bowtech Facebook page uh, and Instagram page, and you can really follow through, and you can build that confidence of, hey, I know what I should be doing. I'm seeing it firsthand. It's not in a book. It's not on TV a year later. It's, it's live of what we're doing today in the field to hopefully make everybody a better hunter at the end of the day.
All right. Before I let you go, let's talk a little fishing. You mentioned the topwater bite for pike has started. I assume that's at Spinney and maybe 11 Mile. What else is going on? Spinney, 11 Mile, Williams Fork, all the pike fishery stage coach right now. That topwater bite just started. I actually, uh, right before I was getting on here, about one minute before I went live, I got a text from Will Dykstra. Uh, he's, his customer today is holding up a fish that's got to be 41, 42 inches. So uh, the pike bite is going strong. Uh, the rainbow trout bite at Spinney, same thing. It's fishing very well. Uh, right now we're doing conventional tackle and fly fishing. But if you are a fly angler that really wants to get that first-hand experience at Stillwater, right now is the time. These fish are in shallow water, say uh, two feet to about six feet of water, uh, very, very approachable with a fly rod. So we're doing a lot of fly trips right now, uh, but as well as the, the conventional tackle. So that bite's going very strong. And Taro is fishing extremely well. That's going to be a shore bite or a hand launch boat, uh, but that bite is fishing very, very well. The walleye continue to be on fire. It's absolutely blowing my mind. I've, I've never seen a bite start so early and fish so strong and turn out so late, even with the shad hatch. Uh, so Cherry Creek and Chatfield are both fishing good. Of the two, Chatfield is it's just unbelievable. We're still breaking 100 fish days. Uh, every day out there on the water. So if you're a walleye fisherman, uh, this is a year amongst all years. So definitely get out there and take advantage. Yeah, it's unusual for this summer peak type fishing to be extending this long. The, the walleyes in Chatfield, are you finding them still on structure? Or are they starting They're to They're still on structure. It's the exact same as you'd find them in May and June. So all the roadbeds are holding fish, all the gravel pits are holding fish, uh, any points extending out into the lake are holding fish. Uh, my deepest fish yesterday came 16 feet of water. My shallowest fish came in four feet of water. If I had to pick a certain depth that I would really like to focus on, if I was focusing on one, I'd pick, uh, say, 14 feet is probably the, the happy point of the most fish out there. And we're also seeing some big fish. Uh, yesterday, our biggest fish was 23, but we lost a 25 at the boat. Um, and there's some good fish coming uh, out there right now. So not only catching numbers, but you have some opportunity. It's some really good fish. Well, I'll tell you what, and it's it's uh, up and down the front range. The walleyes at horse tooth are a little different, but Karen and I were out there for the smallmouth this week and just positioning the boat. We positioned both the boat in like eight feet of water, casting down the edge of a point, working a tube up. We positioned the boat in 20 feet of water, and Karen worked the tube down the break-off, caught bigger fish than me, but we won't say that on the air. <laughs> but um, the, the smallmouth bass were on fire. I would think there's probably a really good smallmouth bass bite at Chatfield, too. Absolutely. The, the bass bite at Chatfield is fishing very well. There's a lot of topwater action there early in the day. Uh, and Quincy is fishing great, too. Those actually, the large rough moves slightly deeper, uh, sort of fishing some deeper presentations at Quincy, but still producing a lot of fish and a lot of big fish right now. So, I mean, it, it's hard to say right now what not to target in the state. The kokanee salmon at 11 Mile, we're doing a lot of those trips, uh, and that's fishing well. So we're doing carp trips. I'd say everything is going strong. The only thing that we're uh, slowly fading out of is once those lakers drop into that extreme deep water where they have for us personally where we're guiding, uh, we're trying to kind of lay off of those just because – it can be kind of hard on those fish, taking them up from 100 feet, 120 feet, 140 feet. So we're shy enough of that. But everything else that we personally are guiding at Thailand Outdoors uh, is, is fishing very strong right now. Well, and a lot of anglers have trouble targeting fish that deep anyway. And you're, you're probably going to get frustrated unless you're really experienced. And, you know, I know Spence Petros, who was a good friend when we wrote for Fishing Facts magazine a million years ago, used to always talk that, if there was any active fish shallow, he'd chase those first because they're always yep. easier to fish to. And then if you have to move deeper, move deep. So the fact that the walleyes are staying in structure, the, the trout and the pike are shallow, this is the time when the average angler needs to get out and take advantage of it. Definitely. And speaking of that, if you go to, uh, say, roughly 8 to 12 feet of water at Chatfield, as long as you can find a, a kind of mix between a sand gravel bottom, 
Uh, the big sunfish and bluegills are, are very active too. I think yesterday we had a total of 15, uh, I had 15 on my boat. I think Will had 20, uh, real big bluegills at Chatfield. So, so that bite's going well. So anybody from the Midwest, uh, that kind of misses those opportunities, uh, that's at Chatfield right now. And you have a good chance. And that's wall walleye fishing. I think if you, uh, had some, some good setups with some slip barbers, you could probably do some damage on some big panfish at Chatfield right now as well. I think across the front range, we've had high water for three or four years. We've seen a resurgence of the bluegills and perch uh, and crappies, and I think we're going to see that cycle for a couple more years, which is fantastic. Nate, if people want to book a trip or get a hold of you or watch one of your live broadcasts, how do they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Go to our website, tightlineoutdoors.com, or also check us out at Facebook. Uh, Facebook's tightlineoutdoors.com or Nate Zelensky, but everything's right there. Uh, go to there. We'd love to have you join us uh, Monday evenings at 8 p.m. for that live feed. I promise you, we'll answer your individual questions. I hope I give you some confidence and, and get you what you need to get that animal on the ground this coming fall. All right, Nate, we'll talk to you next week. Great we'll as always. You bet. Nate Zelensky, always a great contributor. Terry Wicks from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoke Fish Company's Smoked Salmon. Folks, this is in my refrigerator all the time. If you haven't tasted this, it's fantastic. The secret is in the fire. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest motorcycle and ATV dealer. It's time now for Terry's Tackle Tip of the Week. It is time for our tackle tip. And, you know, if you've heard Nate Zielinski and I talking over the last few shows and about ICAST, you've heard us mention that there's a lot of specialized equipment out there. Um, the manufacturers are really trying to make, you know, a, a specific jigging rod, a specific trolling rod, a specific bass worming rod. And, you know, a lot of times the beginning angler, you know, isn't fortunate enough where they can have a dozen fishing rods, or maybe they don't even want to. They want one rod that they can take out and go fishing. Well, we covered that. Uh, rods and reels a little bit uh, just last week in fact I talked about the president reel and the the uh, the uh, some rods you can put them on from Fenwick along with the guys at Sportsman's Warehouse and we talked about how you can still get a six six and a half foot medium spinning rod get one of those president reels get a very inexpensive for the price but yet quality quality equipment you can start out with one of these 20 to 40 dollar combos they'll good they're good for a couple years and you'll fish well with them a lot of them come with line but once you get past that point or they wear out and they don't perform you maybe want a little better equipment you step up but no matter what you have for equipment the line is so important until your success in fishing and having a good time and the lines are another thing that has become very specialized and many times we talk about all the super lines i use a lot of super lines i use a lot of fluorocarbon i still use monofilament well, the beginning angler gets very confusing. And for me, if you're, gonna, if you're a beginning or a casual angler, you want just basic equipment that you can use in a number of situations. I'm still going to tell you to get a six, six and a half foot spinning rod and maybe uh, that Fluger reel. And then I want you to put monofilament on it. Is monofilament my choice most of the time? Probably not. But if I could only have one line or if I want somebody to get started fishing, I certainly want them to use monofilament. The monofilament I use is Berkley XL. Now, Berkley makes, uh, they make several monofilaments. They make two that are really widely distributed and well-known, and that's the XL and the XT. The XL is the smooth casting, limper line, goes on a spinning reel much better, has less memory, very forgiving line to use. The XT, little thicker diameter, little more abrasion resistance, not quite as pliable, it, and 
typically you can put it on spinning gear, but a lot of people put it on casting gear and use it for trolling. The reason I like XL, first of all, it's very inexpensive. You can spool a reel up from, I'd say, 3 to $5. It's available in three colors. There's a, there's a high-vis color that you can see very easily, and I recommend that for a lot of beginning anglers because seeing your line sometimes is more important than if the fish can see it or not because watching your line can be so important to making a presentation. They also have a low-vis green and then a clear. I typically use the clear or the low-vis green, but if you're certainly a, a casual beginning angler, you might want to go to the high-vis line so you can really watch your line. It'll help improve your fishing a lot. The other thing with a monofilament like XL is you want to make sure it's put on the reel right and maybe change it more often than other lines. If you're uncomfortable on how to put a line on a spinning reel, there's lots of great information on YouTube. I think even Berkeley's site has a, a video on it. Or, or go and buy the line at Sportsman's Warehouse. Now, they have mono that they spool on, but go buy a package of Berkeley XL, and they will put it on your reel for free. And their machine will wind it on appropriately because if you get it on the wrong way, you're going to have all those loops. The other thing with monofilament is you want to make sure that you you want to make sure that you change it if it starts getting where it's all springy like a coil or if you can't get those. Now, if you're out in the water, you can stretch out a piece of that line, just have somebody hold it and walk out and pull and probably get through the day. But when that starts happening, you need to... You need to change that line. Mono is susceptible to getting wet and drying, getting wet and drying, and sun and heat. So the more they're exposed to that, the more they wear. But, you know, an average angler can get by changing them maybe once or twice a season. But it's an economical way to start. And monofilament is a very, very forgiving line. It has a lot of stretch. Now, you lose a little bit of feel compared to the super lines, but you, you lose less fish, too. Because once they're on, that spring in that line will actually help you land those fish. For fishing in Colorado, I recommend usually if you're just an average fisherman not targeting a particular species, you're going to try go after different fish. I'd go 6 or 8-pound monofilament, uh, maybe a uh, 25 series reel from Fluger, and then maybe just a nice Fenwick rod. You're going to be under 120 bucks with that setup, and you're going to have something you can fish with for years by just changing the line. That's our tackle tip for today. Berkeley XL monofilament. If you're a beginning or casual angler or even an experienced angler at times, that's the monofilament of choice for me. That's our Tackle Talk. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sun Power Sports, Colorado's largest ATV and motorcycle dealer. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. And speaking of premier, we have one of the states or the country's premier anglers on the line. So let's go right to the phones. And joining us is Bernie Keefe. Good morning, Bernie. Good morning, Terry. I love that intro. Yeah, well, you know. Hey, i got to tell you something. Before we get in, I know we're going to get a report from up in your area. There's lots going on fishing-wise. I saw your posts on Facebook. A lot of people saw the posts on my Facebook page this week. I want to know why the posts on our Facebook show our wives catching bigger fish than us all the time. Because our wives are flat out better than us. You know, you could have had a better reason than that, Bernie. Uh, you, you told me earlier you felt like you're just the boat driver and the net man for, for, your, uh, for your wife. And photographer. I take the pictures. Uh, you take the pictures, too. Well, well, I kind of feel that way. Karen and I were positioned over some smallmouth at Horsetooth, and I'm working the jig up the 
catching a bunch of fish and a couple nice ones. So she wants to move the boat out deeper and work it down. And, of course, she catches bigger ones. But we won't get into that. What's going on up in the Granby area? You know, fishing is so phenomenal right now. Um, I'll start down at Wolford. The kokanee are biting really well down there. Trollers are getting them. If you're trolling for them, don't troll too deep. Um, The pike at Williams Fork, they're tough. If you get one, it'll be a big one. The lake trout down there are fishing pretty good right now. Randy's getting, oh, anywhere from 5 to 30 a day, depending on the day. It's not the most consistent bite. Rainbows in the area are tough. They're getting a few out of Willow Creek from the shore. Um, Grand Lake's getting some rainbows from the shore. Grand Lake lake trout fishing is real good. Dan's up there, and he's getting quite a few of the smaller 13 to 18 inchers, but he's gotten a couple larger ones also in the past few weeks. And Granby, the lake trout fishing is just off the charts. Lots of big fish, lots of good fish. We're getting a lot of fish. It's it's hard to find eaters once in a while. You get into them 20 to 26 inches, and which are just fun as heck to catch. But we got to be careful with those. Those are the future right there. If we let those 20 to 26 inches go, we're going to start getting more 30s in the lake, and uh, it'll even be funner to fish. Well, talking about producing big fish, how big was that lake trout that Lisa caught that was posted this, this last week? It was 45 inches. Wow. What do you think that fish weighed, 30 pounds? I'm guessing mid-30s. Yeah, I mean, that was a huge, huge lake trout. That's That was incredible. We didn't weigh it, so we really don't know. I don't weigh many fish. Um, but, it, but we did measure it, and it was 45 inches. Now, typical Granby this time of the year, and you and I know I used to fish Granby a ton, but I never fished it this time of the year. My my take on it was always that I'd fish in the spring when and they'd shallow, I'd ice fish it, and then in the fall bite started, I'd fish it again, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But then, and I used to do well. I always, I always felt that a lot of these fish would go too deep. It was frustrating to try to catch them, but you've been able to say on big fish, especially Bernie, all year long. You know, Terry, Granby is one of those lakes that fishes well all year long. Um, I struggle just a couple months out of the year, and it's more me than the lake itself. The fish are there available to people. And all it takes is you got to understand how to read your Lowrance, your sonar. That's, I think that's the big thing. And you gotta, you got to be willing to look in out-of-the-way places once in a while for them. you just got to understand they're in the lake, and if you take the time to find them, you can generally find them. When they're uh, what, and when you're fishing them a little deeper, like you tend to do this time of the year, not necessarily deep, deep, but a little deeper. Uh, what type of presentations do you like to use? I like the vertical jig. Um, I will drop havoc tubes are some of my favorite ones. Um, I'll drop them down on three quarter to ounce a quarter heads, um, and then then it's just a matter of. If they're laying on the bottom, it's beating up the bottom. If they're not laying right on the bottom, it might be jigging above them. It might be just dead sticking right around them. Now, I want to talk to you about somebody who might be coming up, whether they book a trip with you or they're coming up themselves now. But then I want to talk about what it looks like going into the fall, which is one of my favorite times up there. Now, if somebody comes up now, are you looking for a mix? You're saying you're getting a lot of those 20-inch-plus fish, a few big ones. Are you getting some eaters? And what kind of depth or how would they approach it if they're just looking maybe to just make sure they catch some fish? Um, I would look in that 50 to 70-foot range. I would go with three-and-a-half to five-inch tube jigs and just go with um, three-quarter to one-ounce heads. 
I would definitely be using some fine wire trocar hooks. They penetrate so well. And then look on your slopes. They're not necessarily on top of the humps right now. A lot of them are on the slopes. And you don't need a steep dropping slope. Look for a gentle, little less fast dropping slope. And then definitely look in the mud. Uh, you, you put all that together and you'll probably find fish that'll eat. Uh, now, what about we're going to get towards fall, and you know that's one of my favorite times to come up. And typically in the past, we didn't get as many big fish in the fall, although you've been seeming to get more big fish even in the fall. But it really becomes a numbers game. What do you think it's going to be when we get into late September, October this year? I think it's going to be phenomenal. I think we're going to be getting a lot of those. Oh, I'm betting 18 to 22-inch fish. I think those, that's just going to be off the charts good. We don't fish for large fish in the fall. We fish for the eaters. We just call them the little egg eaters, the ones that are in there eating the eggs that when the big females drop them. We try to clean, clean the nests out of them. Um, and then all we do is use small stuff, uh, little tube jigs, little power minnows, um, Fergie spoons, the plain Janes work really well. Any slab spoon will do it for you. Tip it with a little piece of sucker meat. and Whatever you do when in the fall, don't overwork it. The fish are not aggressive. Uh, the, less, the less you move it, the better you'll do. And you can have phenomenal numbers of fish, and you can do it from shore or a boat, right? They get pretty shallow. Oh, they, you can do it from shore. If you're from shore, your, your favorite lure should probably be a crocodile spoon. Those things are just tough to beat up here. Spinners work. You can work your soft plastics. Your big thing from the shore is that the lake trout are spawning in heavy, heavy rocked areas. And so you don't want to be hitting bottom too many times. The more times you hit bottom, the more lures you're going to lose. But if you can fish them just off the bottom and nice and slow, you'll catch plenty of fish. So, Bernie, if somebody wanted to book a trip with your guys or you or they want more information, where can they find you? Uh, You can find me on Facebook, Fishing with Bernie, Instagram, Fishing with Bernie, Twitter, Fishing with Bernie, fishingwithbernie.com. You can give me a call at 970-531-2318. And also you can find Fishing with Bernie on my YouTube channel. There's some great videos of Bernie and I out there, one multi-season and one ice fishing, and you'll see what a great time. Bernie, it's always just just a pleasure to spend time with you on the water. It's been way too long. You and I need to get together. Barry, that would be awesome. Hey, thanks again for having me on the radio this week. You bet, Bernie. Thank you, and good luck. We'll keep. We'll get you on. We get closer again too to that big bite. Thank you for joining us. That'd be Ter- awesome. Thank you. You bet. Terry Oakstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Sportsman's Warehouse, America's premier outfitter. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Honey Smoked Salmon. Let me tell you a little bit about this before we get to our next guest. This stuff is phenomenal. If you Don't even think you like smoked salmon. You need to try honey smoke. The flavor is so mild and moist. It's not just a snack with crackers, but it can be a spread. It can go into pasta or it can go into omelets. It's it's an ingredient. But I'll tell you what I like to do. We have people coming over this afternoon. I like to take some, mix it with about one part cream cheese, one part honey smoked salmon, and then a little bit maybe of onion or some spice. I, I blend it all together. Makes an incredible spread. The only problem is it goes so fast and everybody eats so much that then the rest of the food I have doesn't get eaten. It's just fantastic. Honey smoked salmon. It's available at King Supers, Costco, Sam's Club. It's uh, just a number, number of outlets. Honey smoked salmon, if you've never tried it, just give it a taste. I guarantee you, you won't be disappointed. The secret is in the fire. Let's go right to the phones now. 
And joining us, one of our favorite contributors and one of our fill-in hosts who fills in on a regular basis, Mr. Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Good morning, Terry. How's it going this morning? It's going really well. We're about to wind up, but what a beautiful day we have here. We're broadcasting live over here at Lazy Days RV, and they have some incredible sales going on. I mean, they're they're closing out their, their uh, 2017 motorhomes and campers, Ronnie, and it, it's a steal out here. I might leave with one. I'm sure it's that time of year where you can get a good deal on some of those campers. That really is. So what's going on fishing-wise, Ronnie? You know, fishing's been really good, Terry. Uh, the lakes are kind of changing, but, uh, uh, you know, they're also kind of staying the same. It sort of depends on which bodies of water you're on. You know, horseshoe's got a lot of water coming in and out of it right now. Uh, the lake is kind of going up uh, and going down. It's weird. You know, it may go down a foot or two at a time, and then it goes back up a foot. So, um, you know, lots of water coming down the food system, and Boyd is kind of dropping here at a pretty steady pace. But fishing's really good on Boyd. You made a comment. I know I see in my notes here you want to kind of talk about casting angles, and that really can make a difference on how you approach a piece of structure or fish, isn't it? Yeah, Terry, you know, I got an email the other day asking me about casting angles. They had been watching a show that Chad had filmed, and they had mentioned on a couple of the fish that they caught that, you know, the angle of the cast to the, to, to the structure that they were fishing was uh, was key in getting those fish to bite. And so the, the guy that wrote me an email was asking a question, you know, what are, what are some of the reasons why uh, casting angles uh, on any given day might make a difference, Terry? So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about. So go ahead. Give us your take on that and how you approach different situations. Sure, Terry. You know, and one of the one of the things that, or a few of the things I want to cover. Um, you know, what will put fish, you know, looking particular ways or sitting on particular sides of, of pieces of structure or cover that kind of thing. That's kind of what we want to talk about um, because that's what's going to determine, you know, what side of the bush maybe that fish is on. So, what, what kind of a casting angle do you got to make to that bush in order to catch that fish? Um, one of the things that will absolutely position fish on any given day, Terry, is going to be current. Um, if you have a current coming through, let's say, a lake or especially on a river or something like that, uh, it's been my experience that fish in general like to point themselves into a current. So let's say you're fishing one particular bank on horse juice and, and the water is kind of coming out through the inlet and working its way down through the outlet. Well, we get current that sets up on horse juice, and a lot of people don't really realize that, but there is definitely current on horse juice on any given day, and that will absolutely position fish on particular sides, uh, especially the structure on a main on a lake like that on, on horse juice, uh, Terry. Uh, things like those main lake points, things like some of those, uh, some of those main lake, uh, gravel humps that we have on the lake and some of those secondary points, things like that. Fish will position themselves a lot of times on one side of that point because of the way the current is working over that point. So that's an important thing that people got to understand when you're, when you're approaching a point that you want to hit it from multiple directions, but a lot of times a good number of those fish are going to be pointed a particular way. So if you're working a crankbait from, you know, left to right over the point and you're not getting any bites, if you throw it from right to left, you may get a whole bunch of bites. Um, one of the other things that will position fish a lot of times, Terry, and this is this is one that was coming in play on that show when uh, when the guy was asking me about what was going on there on Chad's show. Uh, you know, during the day, cover like that, be it be it docks, be it trees, be it bushes, anything like that that's in the water. Uh, that sun is going to create shade on that piece of cover. And throughout the day, that shady area on that piece of cover is going to move as that sun, you know, goes through the sky, that kind of a thing. So throughout the day, particular casting angles to bushes or to docks 
or things like that, Terry, um, are going to be very, very important because a lot of times those fish will absolutely follow that shade around that bush or around that dock. You know, in the morning they may be on the right side of it because that's where all the shade is. And then as the sun gets up and starts moving around, then the shade's going to be right below it midday. And then later in the day the shade may be on the left side of the dock or the right side of the dock. It just sort of depends on the dock. Um, but that's an important thing to pay attention to, Terry, and that will definitely get you, get you to catch a lot of more fish if you kind of realize that even those bush that are down in the water that you're just seeing on the top of, they have shade, and those largemouth like to be in that shade this time of year, Terry, when the water and the, and the weather is really hot like it is. So that's one key thing that will definitely position fish, Terry. And then there's another thing as far as casting angles go that's very, very important, Terry. And this time of year we're starting to do a lot of crankbait fishing, and as we get into the fall we're definitely going to be throwing a lot of crankbaits in the lakes up here on the north end of the, of the state on the state, Terry. Um, the big deal with casting angles, for me especially, Terry, when I'm working crankbaits, is that I've got to get in position so that on those crankbaits I'm throwing at the bank are going to make good contact with the bank the whole time I'm retrieving that crankbait back to the boat. If my casting angle is off, if I've got the boat too far off the bank and I'm throwing straight at it, a lot of times crankbaits will not make contact. So a lot of times what you have to do is you got to scoot the boat in and you got to you got to do more of a parallel cast on that bank or more of a 45 degree angle. Really really steep banks, very very steep banks that have like an 80 degree slope or something silly like that. You got to get your boat right up next to a bank like that and make kind of a real long parallel cast right up there shallow so that that crankbait stays in contact with the bottom the whole time as you're working that crankbait back in. Casting angles to the bank are a big key when you're trying to grind crankbaits, Terry. Another thing with crankbaits especially, too, um, you talked about current before. If you're working that crankbait against the current instead of with it, you're coming up behind the fish. You're right. They have to hold into the current. They can't swim backwards. So Absolutely. you'll see those fish pointed at the current. Well, you want to cast either a 45-degree angle or right over their head and bring the crankbait back because if you bring it from their back, you tend to startle them and not get the reaction. Absolutely. You tend to miss a lot of fish in that scenario as well. Uh, the rivers will really key you into that. So if you're getting up and you're fishing the Pooter or the Big Thompson or something along those lines, uh, all that current will make you really, really wise to the way fish like to position the way fish like to, you know, angle in the current. And absolutely, if you're doing a lot of casts downstream and working presentations up with against the current in, in a river situation, like you're mentioning, those fish are looking up, Terry, and that bait may come back from, you know, from behind them, and you may get fish to come up and blast it real fast as that lure is going by, but what you'll tend to see is that you're definitely going to miss a lot of fish in that scenario, Terry. They may swipe at it, but because you're working the weight or the, the presentation away from them, um, you know, as they get, they get a bite onto something that's, that's coming by, they may not get it real good, Terry, and as you set the hook, you're actually, you know, pulling it away from them if you're working it from from downstream up, you're yanking it back away from them, as opposed to if you're working it from upstream down, you're hook setting into them when they come to it. So that's a big key, and the rivers will definitely clue you into it, but it's the real subtle currents that you get on a lake like Horsetooth, or even on a lake like Carter, that will position fish like that. Sometimes it's the wind, sometimes it's the boat traffic, that kind of thing that will position fish. But you got to pay attention to that. You got to make multiple casts at different presentations, or at, at different pieces of structure, different angles, different casting angles. A lot of times will make a big deal, Terry. Thirty seconds. If you're going fishing today or tomorrow, where would you go? 
Oh, this time of year, Terry, I like fishing the rivers. You know, it's getting real hot out, and the water temperature is getting pretty warm in some of the lower lakes. So I like going up and, and doing a little weight, well, you know, wet wading and getting out there and cooling off in the Big Thompson or cooling off in the Pooter. So I probably head up the Pooter River. You know, the Pooter's been fishing real good. Everybody's been catching a lot of fish, and the flows have come down enough where you can wade a good portion of that river now, Terry. So right. it's a good opportunity to get out and cool off. All right, Ronnie, sounds great. We'll be talking to you again very soon, and we got to get together soon. All right. Sounds good, Jerry. All right, Ronnie Castelloni, always full of great, great information. Hey, we are broadcasting live from uh, Lazy Days RV today. We're going to wind up the show here in just a couple minutes. I'll stick around for a little while. Come out and say hi, but... Even if you can't get here while I'm here, you need to get here before the end of July. Let me tell you what's going on out here. Um, First of all, this is the largest indoor showroom, RV showroom in the country. But that doesn't even account for the hundreds of units that are in the lot. Everything from little campers all the way up to 40-plus foot motorhomes. They have rentals. They sell. But what's going on right now is the 2018 model years are coming in. So they have a bunch of 2017s that they're selling at employee pricing. That's right, employee pricing on the 2017 models through the end of July. And they have so much to pick from. And these guys come in. They're not going to squeeze you into one or two models that they have. They're going to actually get you in the best one. So head out here. It's on I-25. It's exit 254. It's going to wrap things up. Follow us on Facebook, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. If you go look and scroll down, you'll see the smallmouth bass that Karen kicked my butt catching out on Horsetooth. And we have definite information how you can get out there and do the same thing. Follow us on Facebook and join us every Saturday morning for Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.